We are UCL, and these are our remarkable stories. Hi, I'm Mitesh Vagadia. I work in the UCL Student Support and Wellbeing Team. In each episode, I'll be in conversation with a UCL guest as they share with us their remarkable stories, experiences, and life lessons. In this episode, we hear from UCL alumnus Shahi Janetian, who is currently completing his master's at Cambridge University and is due to begin a role at BlackRock Management in September. Shahid shares his experiences growing up near the Afghanistan and Pakistan border, the challenges he faced adapting to life in the UK, and how his ever-changing path continues to bring unexpected opportunities. Tell me, where does your story begin? Um, so for me, it began quite early on, uh, in 2007, 2008, uh, when I... Um, was supposed to go to school uh, but I had um, friends and they I don't think they were so keen on school neither was I uh, so we used to um, skip school and uh, go out exploring and where uh, was this this is uh, Afghanistan Pakistan border uh, okay. northeast um, and it's a valley uh, so there is a river that flows by and on each side of the river there's mountains and hills okay so we used to hide from the school and uh, go towards the river whether that was swimming or just skipping stones or uh, picking uh, berries which you don't find over here and those are quite sweet berries okay uh, that was the summer sport okay and winter we used to hunt uh, because in winter you used to get uh, geese and uh, ducks uh, and other birds that used to come and take sips and migrate towards uh uh, other regions, southwards or northwards, depending on the season. And how would you hunt these geese? And uh, so we had rifles at home. Uh, okay. I think it's a tradition over there in the valleys. Everybody has some sort of uh, hunting uh, machines, rifles or miniatures. Um, yeah, and sometimes uh, slingshots as well. Oh, really? Uh, which we had as kids, but then when we grew up, slightly, um, um, slightly old. So. 10, 12, we had the strength to hold a rifle yeah. and uh, and uh, we were able to hold the recoil of the of the rifle, which is quite strong. What was um, school like in Afghanistan? I mean, the schools are very different over there. It's uh, formatted in a certain way. You read off a book and the teacher reads off a book. And, um, and I think that's why I didn't really like it over there because you don't really get to understand why um, you observe uh, certain things in, in nature or in people, um, in literature or in anything really. You memorize it and you recall it whenever you get tested on it. So mm. I think that's the big difference between um, schooling over there and over here. Here you get to ask questions and and everything's explained how it should be. Mm. And, and I think that's what instilled uh, uh, that passion in me uh, when I came over here from Afghanistan and settled over here. Just before we talk about you coming over here, the place that you were living in Afghanistan, was it safe? What was it like in terms of uh, the Taliban or in terms of safety? I I don't think it was safe then because that was uh, the peak of uh, insurgency. You had many groups operating without uh, anybody knowing uh, where the command came from 
Uh, it could have been the neighbors. It could have been anyone really. Uh, and it was quite complicated for anyone to understand. Um, but I think the situation has improved uh, compared to then. Mm. And certain groups have dissolved over time because they didn't see that uh, same motivation as they did um, back then. Mm. So how did you come about moving to the UK then? So this was in uh, 2008. And, how old uh, were you then? then at I was 12. Okay. Yes. Um, and my father came over here in about 2000. Okay. Uh, he took the harder route, which was uh, through ships, through um, through the regular migrant route mm -hmm. that many take today as well, from other countries as well. Mm. And then, so you were living at home without your father, who was living here. Yes. And then you were living, who were you living with then? With back my then? uncles and extended family. Okay. So over there, uh, families tend to be really extended. Mm and they stretch out from the grandfather up until um, the grandchildren. Okay. And they all live together. They don't uh, separate until um, all the brothers in that family, they become grandfathers and it's too big for the family to uh, coexist together. Yeah, yeah. So was it always your dad's plan to go ahead, go to the UK, and then eventually you would come along afterwards? Uh, it. I don't think that was the plan. So my father studied in uh, University of Peshawar in Pakistan, and uh, he dropped out um, after completing two years of his uh, university. Mm. And the reason was because he had to. Uh, there were quite a lot of um, financial issues in our family, and he was the only source of income at that point. And there was a good opportunity for him to um, join a group of migrants that were going to come over. Mm -hmm. Uh, to Europe uh, that was the plan but then when he came to Europe he decided that actually uh, if I can cross the channel there might be more opportunities okay and then so you came to the UK in 2008 Eight. yeah okay for me it was easier because we, it was just a plane from uh, from there to here for okay. my father it was a it was another story and you were how old are you 12 you said yes 12 and then, so you came here. What were you expecting? Did you speak the language? What were you What were you thinking London was going to be like? So I settled in Derby, uh, which is a small uh, town in central England, um, and I think that kind of helped me in a sense because I had that uh, space and time to myself. If I had, if I was thrown into a big city like London, I think I would have been a bit scared because uh, I lived in a small village back home. Okay. And uh, moving to a big city and a global city, one of the best cities in in the world, um, I think that would have been a bit too much for me. Yeah. So I think Derby was the best place for me to uh, pick up uh, words and statements and uh, little things here and there and yeah. compile them together. Uh, so your dad was working in Derby? In Derby, yes, yeah. He worked uh, in a factory. So he had been working for a lot of time and uh, because of that, he became a supervisor and uh, a manager after then. Right. Is he still working there? Uh, he's not actually. Uh, the company uh, that was there before uh, went through some uh, bad financial conditions and he was laid off at one point. So he had to uh, find something else after that. Okay. So tell me what it was like for you to come here 
and go to school for the first time? I think it was uh, scary is one way I'd put it. I mean, I was quite um, intrigued by it. But then when you don't have the tools um, to bring out the best of your intrigueness, then it is quite scary because everybody understands what's going on in the class and you're there just staring at the, the walls, not knowing what the hell is going on, why everybody's, um, um, I mean, what we used to do in year seven and eight was um, simple exercises, so cut and stick, and it was just matching different things. So one statement might say the rock, and you had to define what a rock is or volcano or something like that. And everybody knew what it was in the class, and I didn't. So I used to just pretend that I knew and just stick things on, on the, on the posters, on the piece of papers. So you didn't read, you couldn't read English, you couldn't write English and you couldn't speak it? I could read English. Oh, um, okay. Yes, but I couldn't uh, speak it and I couldn't understand it, of course. How uh, did you learn to read it? So English is taught, uh, but it's more like parrot English. You, you learn to read it, you learn to assemble things together. But you don't really know what you're doing or why you're saying certain things in a certain way. Um, that, in a sense, helped me because I didn't have to learn how to read. But then speaking is another issue altogether. And how did that come about? I think because I was young, uh, I was a bit lucky. So had it been a year or two later, I think things would have been a bit more different. Uh, so when I came over here, this was in year end of year seven, so year eight starting um things were a bit easier mm. uh, and the words were slightly easier to understand uh, i think that kind of helped me in some senses but i had to spend a lot a uh, lot of time after school go to uh, after school clubs um in that school mm. and pick up uh, the odd words and um the odd ways of um putting things together and when i st when i made friends i think that helped quite a lot because I could finally uh, communicate with them in English. And I think that was the biggest um, jump for me. And that happened in year nine, actually. So for that whole year, mm. um, I didn't really have friends uh, to call friends. My, that was going to be my next question is how was, apart from the education side, what was it like settling in and, and making friends? And you said for that year, you didn't have anyone. Yes. Yeah, so in school, I didn't really have anyone in year eight. And because of that, as you know, in schools, what happens is the issue of bullying. And uh, um, and I think I was a big subject of that because I didn't have any friends. And um, at a young age, people tend to group together mm. and form alliances, mm. something I didn't quite... Uh, I mean, I understood it. And that made me quite mature mm. as a person mm. because I looked at things in a very different way to my peers. Mm. Um, it was quite challenging and it got me into quite a lot of trouble. So if I describe it, so I spent, I would say half of year eight, uh, getting into troubles. Um, yeah. Is that because of the bullying? Yeah. Because if you, when somebody bullies you, you want to respond in one way or another, right? It could be verbally or in other ways. And I couldn't in verbally, right? Um, the kind of bullying was things like just chucking a pencil at you or uh, saying bad things to you, which you kind of picked up over time. Mm. 
um, but I couldn't respond to it in a positive light because I didn't have the tools to. Um, so that used to get me in troubles uh, quite often. Uh, but when I did make friends in year nine, I, th I think that's when people backed off and realized that um, I can no longer be that subject. Mm. And I guess you, you feel a lot more settled and like you said, just picking up things a little bit more. Yeah. People are getting more familiar with you. Yeah, and they understand your behavior or how you approach things or yeah. um, how you think as well. Yeah. I think that, that changed quite a lot. And then so how was it all the way up until your GCSEs? How did how did it, how was it for you? So GCSEs was a um, the funny bit because I passed everything just on the brink. Uh, so had it been a few marks here and there, I would have failed. Uh, so I just hit the benchmarks to get into A levels. So what did you get? Um, I just got it was B's and C's in English. I got uh, I think it was exactly uh, the pass mark. So I think it was my lucky year. Okay. Uh, if I had to retake GCSE English, I think I would have. I think I would have um, given up. Um, or maybe something else would have popped up in the, in the surface, right? Yeah. And things would have changed. Things would have been different. Yeah. And then so you you got your GCSEs, and then what did you, what happened next? So I then went on to study A levels at a much better school. So the school I went to for secondary school was, in fact, um, even today, um, it's one of the worst schools in the country in terms mm -hmm. of grades. It's I think top or uh, top twenty in terms of the worst schools in the country. Still. Yes, today as well. Wow. This is twelve years um, later. Later, and it still is at that rate. Um, and then when I went to the high school for sixth form, mm. I think things changed quite a lot, and that was a much better school. And I had the opportunity to go beyond um, the kind of the norm. Mm. Uh, the norm was to study for A levels. I started with six, six, um, because I had to um, push myself, and that was the only opportunity for me to do that. Um, I think the school was quite helpful and supportive in that manner. They didn't say no, you can't study six because of my uh, prior grades. I think they looked at my potential um, as time went along. So initially, I enrolled in four A levels. And then they saw that I could actually cope with the work and I was producing good results as well in the in the tests and um in the mock tests and exams. Yeah. And they um and they allowed me to do the the other two as well. What was the jump like from GCSEs to A level? Massive. Massive, yeah. I think GCSEs you take everything uh on belief and faith. What do you mean? Uh, uh so you take things it's it's based on faith as in somebody says oh this is true uh, a cell is that big or this is what it does and you memorize it you recall it in the exam and you get good rates right this is the way i would describe gcse but i think a levels you've got to fundamentally understand um the phenomena in hand whatever that is so it could be uh the physics of uh moving objects or it could be uh, just cells mm. and how they function uh, mathematics, how calculus works. Yeah, uh, you've got to fundamentally understand it because the the exam questions, tests for the fundamentals and the 
understanding of it rather than the recalling of it. I think that was the biggest difference in A-levels and GCSEs. So not just the answer, but actually the background and how you got there and deep, obviously deeper into the yeah. answer. You've got to understand it, I think, with A-levels. I think that was the biggest jump, which I think was good for me. It gave me um, the opportunity um, to learn everything from a more fundamental and basic level, uh, which is what I wanted to do in GCSEs, but I didn't have that opportunity mm. because everything was just bullet points. This is what happens in the cell. This is what happens there. This is what happens there. Mm. But why it happens, right? Or how things would be different if it happened in another way. Mm. You couldn't really ask those kind of questions because you didn't have the the time and space to do that. So what the four you did in the end for what level? So I did uh, the sciences, um, uh, mathematics, uh, geography, and I did Urdu as well. Okay. Yeah. And then how did you get on? I did well. Yeah, I think I did well. So I uh, decided that I would study chemistry mm-hmm. um, for my undergraduate course uh, without um, any reasoning for why. I think the, the the biggest reason there was that I um, loved chemistry as a subject mm. out of all the A-levels I studied, yeah. but I didn't really think it beyond that. So the requirement uh, for that was three A's mm. uh, for A-levels, and I did uh, much better than that. Um, and when I started chemistry as a course, I realized that it's interesting mm. But I don't think it's developing me as a person the way I want to be mm. or the way I, the, the place I want to be at. I don't think with that degree I would uh, develop the skills I, I need. And I think that varies for different people. So if you uh, want to go into um, academia or if you want to work on uh, research and development um, or the um, development of... Uh, different chemical products um, or systems, then I think chemistry is definitely for you. Mm. But I think I wanted something different. Could and you could you could you have done something differently yourself to find out what this subject entailed a bit more before you said I want to go ahead and do it? Yes. So I actually did um, uh, participate in two summer schools uh, and those were um, chemistry based so perhaps what I could have done was uh, not just focus on one subject but keep an open mind and explore everything mm. so I had quite a few different options on the table I could have studied medicine I could have studied uh, mathematics engineering computer science economics in fact anything with the options I had mm. um, but I think I had a, a close mind at that point I said because I enjoy chemistry therefore I'm going to study chemistry i don't mm. think i thought about it beyond that and i think another thing would that would have helped was maybe uh, i should have spoken to people that had done different subjects and got their perspectives on uh how they how useful they had been in their careers or mm. uh, what kind of skills they developed because of it and then compare it to where i wanted to be i think that probably would have been the best approach mm. but um when i was doing chemistry um, I could change and UCL was quite supportive in that change so, so what, what universities did you apply for then you applied for UCL 
Yes, so UCL was one of them, Cambridge, okay. uh, which is where I am at. Uh, in fact, it's the same college that I applied for as okay. well, Churchill College. Um, Warwick, York was there. Um, I think Nottingham. Yeah, Nottingham, yeah. And what was it like when you found out you got into UCL? I, so I got into all my universities except Cambridge. Okay. Um, and I was a bit devastated with Cambridge because I expected at least an interview, right, where I could explain my reasoning for the subject I wanted to study at Cambridge. Um, but I didn't get the opportunity. But when I realized that UCL um, uh, chemistry department was one of the best in the country and in the world, in fact, um, I think I was a bit more relieved after that. Um, and there were quite a lot of opportunities as well um, that were given to me when I uh, got the offer. So I was given the scholarship uh, for UCL. What scholarship did you get? Uh, so this was Dr. John Elliott. Uh, okay, what was that? What, what, did, what did you get for that? Uh, big sum of money. Uh, <laughs> 25000 it was. Yeah, for the duration of your yeah, course? Yeah, for the duration of the course, <clears throat> which was quite helpful because um, what that meant was I didn't have to um, get a double low. I got a loan or a um, maintenance loan for my uh, maintenance and then the fees I could pay off mm. using the scholarship. So oh. that was quite relieving. I bet, I bet. What was your um, family or your or your dad's um, reaction to you coming to, getting A-levels, coming to UCL? I think he was uh, ecstatic when I uh, passed my GCSEs. I think that was the biggest achievement uh, that I've ever had. I mean, I can name quite a few other things, hmm. but I think everything changed then, right? Okay. Had it been another scenario, I think God knows what I would be doing today. I think that changed everything for me. So he was really happy then, but then he knew I had the potential and um, um, so he supported me in that transition from GCSEs to A-levels and he knew I could do it. So when I told him I'm doing six A-levels, he said, uh, son, you could do it. So he was quite happy with it. That's interesting. You said most probably in your education career, your GCSEs were most probably the easiest sort of exams that you sat, yeah. but they're the most important ones at the same time. Exactly. I think it's the circumstances, right? Because mm. when you become more mature, I think you, you have a lot more control over what happens in your life. Mm. So it becomes easy in that sense. But when you're very young, you have so many strings attached to you. It's so hard to make the decisions that you should be making in that circumstance. Mm -hmm. I think that was the most difficult thing for me. Or oh, that's what at least I found to be difficult. And what was your time like UCL? How, how was it here for you? I think it was fun. So I spent four years here in UCL. I made a lot of friends. Um, Did you live on site? So that's one of the mistakes I made in UCL. I didn't live on site. And there was a reason for that. I think that was because I found um, a good friend. Yeah. He was living close by and he had a flat with an empty room. Okay. And he said, this is what I'm going to charge you. Much cheaper than what uh, you have to pay at UCL. Uh, do you want it or do you want to stay in UCL? I was like, should I take it or not? 
and then in the end because there was a beautiful side from the apartment as well of the city where was this this was in elephant castle okay and it's not far from here as well no. so i thought actually it takes me about 20 minutes to get to ucl mm. um let's live here for a year let's try it and then maybe i could change things a bit later on but then i liked it so much so i stayed there for two years yeah and then i moved around uh, different places so why do you regret not staying in student accommodation i think it's um like good experience to live with students that think like you so at the moment uh in cambridge this is the first time i'm actually experiencing living in student accommodation i think it's a whole different vibe altogether mm. and i've heard a lot of stories about uh the accommodation at ucl as well good what, stories as well what kind of stories so uh things like my friends used to go out and uh party or like um like study together or things like that or they they would travel in groups to different parts of uk mm. uh and it's something that i missed out on mm. uh but i'm i'm making up for that in cambridge so yeah. so it gives you the it's like an opportunity to have a sense of community yep which if if you were living in a separate accommodation private accommodation you might not get that as much yep i think that is exactly it you you know that there are people around you who are going through similar um circumstances or they're in this exactly same phase of life making mm. similar decisions so you get to see how they go about it and you learn from them as well in terms of the transition to UCL from uh your sixth form what was the most difficult thing would you say i would say socially that was quite difficult because uh derby is a small town and i moved to london which is a which was a big city or still is a big city and um seeing so many people around seeing uh hearing the buzz buses going around lots of cars and taxis and cycles i think that was quite a big change for me it took me i think at least a month to get used to it in fact the first month i couldn't even sleep properly because there was so much noise around whereas in derby it's uh quite looking you don't really hear anything mm. except the odd breeze here and there when you say social was it was it even harder to make friends than than when you were in derby oh, no 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 you you can never i think a struggle to make friends here in london there are so many people around you wherever you go but you've got to want to make friends i think that's the first step you've got to want to go out and socialize with people uh in whatever way that's comfortable for you right it mm. could be um going to an event an academic event right and meeting people there or it could be um a bit hardcore so going to a party right there's a whole variety uh on display here in london mm. what was the the thing you enjoyed most about coming here i would say there were quite a lot of opportunities in ucl uh you can uh pretty much do anything you want like from sports to uh setting up societies so i did set up a society for a year which was UCL Afghan society okay um and there weren't that many of us but we managed to run a few events and in fact they've um set up the society again this year and they've had i think two events so far so i think that was quite um uh interesting and um enjoy enjoyable as well just get this right you did chemistry here yes 
But that's not what you graduated. And no, it's not. So what I, happened? I changed uh, my degree uh, to chemical engineering, mm-hmm. and I began fresh here in UCL, just in a different department. And uh, I then graduated with the uh, with the bachelor's. So you did the first, you did one year in chemistry. Yes. And then you decided this course is not something you want to continue on doing. Yes, I did do well in it though. Uh, I did my exams. Yeah. And I got really good results. Um, so I did enjoy it as a subject of study. Yeah. But maybe the skills I were to gain, if I was to continue for the three years, maybe they would have been uh, been very different to the skills I actually gained from uh, studying chemical engineering. But did you know that at the time when you were changing course? Yes, and that's why I made that change. Because How did you know that? I did some research and uh, I met quite a few chemical engineers and what kind of problems they uh, uh, worked on. So there was um, uh, one chemical engineering student in one of the courses I was doing, uh, Arabic as a mm-hmm. language, and he talked about using uh, programming tools to solve various problems. Uh, for me, I thought that was quite um, useful and I found it interesting uh, so I had began programming mm. um, in MATLAB back then and I wanted more of that but chemistry didn't really provide that opportunity mm. uh, but engineering did so any problem that you do solve in engineering you have to use some kind of uh, programming language to be able to solve it because they get so complicated that mm. uh, simple use of Excel sheets or by hand calculations simply aren't enough. Is Was it quite easy to do going from one course to another at UCL? I think they were quite supportive, yes. So there is a, the portal that is designed for that purpose. So if you do want to change your program, um, then you can go through the portal. And I think this is on Portico. Um, and it's literally two or three buttons and you submit the application and uh, you get the uh, support from the tutors and you get your decision uh, very soon as well. So I think the decision was, um, for me, it was pretty quick. I think it was a few weeks for me. So Mm. that helped quite a lot. And now you're at Cambridge doing a master's. What's that like? You actually got to go to Cambridge Yes, uh, finally, I am studying at the very college I applied to for my undergraduate. Uh, It's quite special, Churchill College, it's quite spacious. um, And it's a bit on the outskirt of Cambridge, so there is not a lot of buzz around. And I kind of like that because it's the final year of my studies and then I'll be moving to London. Mm. Um, So I think I do want that space where I can... Um, collect myself together and build a plan for the future. Good. You said you moved to London. Why? Why are you moving to London? So this will be uh, to join uh, BlackRock as an analyst, and this will happen in August. For those who don't know BlackRock, what's BlackRock? So BlackRock is one of the largest investment management companies, and uh, they provide uh, asset management services to clients all over the world. It's interesting that you studied chemistry, then went to do chemical engineering, studying a master's in engineering, but you're going to study, you're going to, sorry, you're going to work at an investment company. Yes, and for, for those of 
for those people who do want to pursue another career or they want to divert from their um, conventional studies and pursue something else, that is an option. And uh, here in UK and in other developed countries, you can do that. You don't have to have studied the exact subject for the field you want to enter, unless it's like uh, some kind of practice like engineering or medicine, where you have to have studied that subject. Uh, but in 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 London and in big cities, you have these massive financial institutions and companies that provide services. And to be able to provide those services, you need a certain skill set and that you can develop studying anything really. So, I mean, going back, um, I could have joined BlackRock uh, from studying chemistry, but that's not something I knew back then. Mm. And I know people who have gone into uh, banking and in particular investment banking from having studied chemistry. So if I had known, I probably probably would have sticked around. So it's not just the degree, it's actually the transferable skills that you're carrying and taking with you is what they're looking for. Yes, it's the transferable skills. And I think it's important as well that alongside your studies, you partake in other things and things like societies or uh, sports clubs, because that's where you gain other skills that you might not gain from the books that you read. So how was it, what was it like with you to go for an interview at BlackRock, knowing you studied a totally different course? It was, uh, so it's funny because I actually applied for an internship with uh, BlackRock mm -hmm. in compliance division. Okay. And um, at that point I had an offer for an internship with ExxonMobil, which is one of the largest oil and gas companies. And I had a bit of a decision to make. Who should I go with? Should I go with someone um, where I will apply the exact skills that I've learned in my degree, um, which is ExxonMobil? Um, or should I join BlackRock? And I think at that point I was quite keen on pursuing a career in, um, in the chemical industry, just because I had enjoyed the chemical engineering so much. Uh, but I, when I went, um, I did enjoy it, but I thought the career, uh, pathway would have been, uh, very different had I joined. Um, so I decided to go with ExxonMobil for the internship. Uh, when I completed the internship, I had uh, other feelings um, that maybe what I do want to achieve out of my career, I don't think I could have done so um, in ExxonMobil. Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided that um, it's time to prepare my applications to where I can develop those skills. Um, and it was investment management. So I applied again for the analyst role and I managed to go through the interview successfully. Brilliant. Is there anything you would have done differently? If if I look at it, I don't think I can say I can do anything differently. I've taken things on the face value. Um, like I studied one thing, but pursued something else, then did something else, then did something else. So it's it's been a curved path for me and if I look back on it, I don't think I can say I would have done anything differently. I think whatever you do, you do it because of um, how you pursue uh, the different options that you have at that point in time. So whatever decisions I've made, I think 
I've made it because that was the best uh, knowledge or understanding I had at that point. So I, I don't have any regrets. If you could go back at any point in your life and talk to the younger Shahid, is there any words of wisdom you would want to give to him? Yes, I think that would be keep an open mind. Um, the, the life doesn't have a simple one option strategy. Uh, keep your options open, career wise, life wise, um, and think about exactly what you can achieve through each option, and then how well that aligns with your with your dreams or ambitions. Whatever aligns best, I think that's the path you should pursue. And I think it's also important to get an idea of what you can do um, after pursuing that option. So what is the next step and then the next step? Because if you don't have a clear plan or clear idea of what can potentially happen, I say can because you never know what happens, but I think you, you can get a good idea of um, the potential pathways that you might take with the, with the option that you're pursuing. Mm. And uh, whatever takes you to your aligned um, goals and ambitions, I think that's probably the best path. And that's something I would have said to uh, my younger me. Is there anything you would like to say to anyone who's starting off their career, maybe at GCSEs or at A-levels or coming to UCL or even at UCL? Is there anything you would like to share or tell them that you wish someone told you? I would say discover your options. There are so many things you can do. There are so many opportunities you can get involved in. In fact, for those who are currently studying GCSEs or A-levels, Sutton Trust runs uh, a lot of uh, summer school programs and um, a lot of companies, especially banks, uh, offer work experience programs. And um, I think that's the best opportunity for them to see what they enjoy and what they don't um, and begin their journey um, way earlier than me so i began slightly later on through internships mm. but if you can get an idea of what you really enjoy uh, as a subject and as a career um, i think that would be a, a head start you've come a long way from skipping school with your friends by the lake to get on a plane to come here to Derby go to school learn English do your GCSEs your biggest achievement still to date yes I think so <laughs> going to do A levels get some really good grades apply to some of the best universities in the country come to UCL do a course that you really enjoyed but wasn't the right one for you so you looked to change and you moved to another course which was the right one for you then you finally got to go to your first choice which is Cambridge to do masters which is where you are now and you got to live in the accommodation yes inside another tick yep big tick and you've got a position now at Blackrock That's a remarkable story for me. If you say so.
If you have been affected by any of the topics raised in this episode, please do visit the UCL Student Support and Wellbeing website, where you'll find a number of helpful resources. We hope you've enjoyed the first series of Remarkable Stories and learned something from our inspiring speakers. Stay tuned and join us for more interviews in the second series scheduled for release later this year.